When we get to Acts chapter 4, we are past the day of Pentecost. On that day, Jesus baptized His church in the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit and with power, and they were enabled to speak languages that they had never studied. And as a result of that preaching in all those different languages, and because it was the day of Pentecost, there were a lot of people in town that would not have otherwise been there. There were 3,000 that were added to the church that day. There'd been 120 members. Now 3,000 are added to that number. Then we get to Acts chapter 3. And Peter and John have gone to the temple and they, on the way into the temple to pray, they see this man who's been lame for all these years, lame from birth, and has been begging in front of the temple. He asked them for an offering. And I've asked you before, what would have happened if they had just given him money. By the way, there's a lesson in that that I don't want you to forget. You give people not what they ask for, but what they need. And they fulfilled his greatest need. And by the power of a resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, they healed him. So here's this crazy scene. They're going into the temple, into Solomon's porch, and this guy who's been lame and has been begging at the temple gate, is now leaping. He's walking and leaping and praising God. At the same time, he's holding on. I can just see him jerking them around by their robes because he won't let them go. He's hanging on to them and walking and leaping and praising God at the same time. And man, it, it drew a mob. There's this huge crowd of men and women together. I know that because it was Solomon's porch, and there were both men and women and Jewish converts there. And so it drew a mob to them, and Peter, preacher that he was, saw a crowd and the opportunity. They're obviously asking questions because one translation says, and he answered them. And so he preaches powerfully in the name of Jesus. Okay, so we were looking at the early church, looking for our mission. I mean, the early church is the example for us. So what is our purpose? Why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? We saw that from the early church. And then we looked at finding our voice. And we talked about there is power in the name of Jesus. Don't forget that. Not just because I've preached it, but because it's true. Listen, there is power in the name of Jesus. Because they were preaching in the name of Jesus. They were arrested. They were kept in custody overnight. And then they appear before the Sanhedrin. And that's where we pick up with a passage of Scripture today. And remember that having found our purpose... Having found our voice, now we need to find courage and boldness to speak the name of Jesus. What you see, what I want to point out to you though, in that passage of Scripture, it's a long passage, and I did such a long passage because I missed a Sunday and somebody else got to preach and so I missed a sermon, so I'm trying to preach about three sermons in one today, and I warn you about that ahead of time. What I want you to see in this is that there was a change in these men that was absolutely undeniable. Not only that, 
But the work that had been done through the church and through these disciples of Christ and through their preaching, the work that had been done in the name of Jesus Christ made His resurrection undeniable. The other thing I want you to see in the message today is that those men could not be silenced. And it was not just that Peter and John who could not be silenced. They said very clearly, we, we, we cannot stop telling what we've seen and what we've heard. But when they went back to the church, even the church agreed together, prayed together, Lord, help us to be bold in our witness. And they would not be denied the opportunity of speaking the name of Jesus. And then finally, I'll be speaking to you today about what happened when they prayed. Man, what an amazing scene. The church is gathered together in unity. And they've heard of the persecution. They've heard of the threats. And they just turn it over to God. And they raise their voices in praise to God. And the place is shaken where they're meeting. And I want you to understand that the power of a praying church is absolutely undeniable. Well, okay, I guess I've just preached my whole sermon to you in, in two minutes. We, we could dismiss, but uh, I, I'd rather give you the longer version if you don't mind. I said to you that we're going in finding our courage we're going to learn that lives transformed by Christ will confound unbelievers. Notice in the Scripture, now when they saw the boldness, that was the identifying mark. That is what they could not understand. How could these men who just spent the night in jail, whom we've just threatened, how can they be so bold? And especially when they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were uneducated men. Now, understand, that doesn't mean they were illiterate. It doesn't mean that they were of low IQ. I will say that Galileans were considered to be inferior to those who grew up and who lived in Judea. They, were, they had a certain accent about them. You know... I've caught a little flack through the years for my Alabama accent, in case you don't recognize the accent. You know, I spoke Swahili without an accent, but anytime I speak English, it comes out Southern. And some people look down on that. Well, the Galileans had a specific accent that identified them as from Galilee, and they were considered inferior to Judeans. Um, the, they were not educated by the standards of the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews. They were considered uneducated men. But despite their education or lack of it, they were bold in their witness for Jesus Christ. And they were bold and they had great courage as they stood in the face of opposition. They were not special men. They were just common people. We would say common folk. Sort of like you and me. You know, some people have an idea that in order to, be, to have the power of God in you, 
In order to be a witness for Christ, you have to have a theological degree or you have to be someone who is, a, my wife calls them pedestal people, you know, because we were missionaries for a lot of years, still missionaries, um, pastors, missionaries. You put them on a pedestal and say, they're special people. No, we're just common people upon whom God has moved and He has transformed our lives, and people put us on a pedestal, but we don't belong there. He belongs on the pedestal. He's the one who makes the difference. And it was Jesus who made the difference in their lives. He had transformed them, and the result was their boldness, and these people were astonished, absolutely gobsmacked. That's, that's Australian, sorry. Gobsmacked. I just, I like that term. They were flabbergasted. They, they were astonished. And notice this. Don't miss this. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Think about that. When people hear you, when people see you, they see the way you act. They hear the way you speak. They see how you treat other people. Do they recognize that you have been with Jesus? Listen, God wants to transform your life if you have never trusted Him. He will make such a difference in your life. If you will come to Christ in repentance and faith, listen, He will give you eternal life. He will give you hope for a future. He will give you faith that will take you through any challenge. He will transform your life. If you've said that you were a Christian, but there's been no difference, I want you to know something's wrong. Something's missing. Did you really put your faith in Christ? And are you walking with Jesus every day? Now, there are, there are Christians who truly have trusted Christ and they've been saved. They're just not living like it because they're not walking with Jesus. Let me tell you, spending time with Jesus in His Word, acknowledging His presence every, all day, every day, walking with Jesus will change your life. I recommend it. I want you to understand, Jesus wants to work in you and make you different. He wants not just to change you, He wants to transform you. The difference in you. That Christ had made an amazing change in their lives was absolutely undeniable. And I want you to understand today that He can change, He can transform your life if you will allow Him to. He's not going to force His way in. You have to allow Him to come into your heart, come into your life, spend time with you. You have to allow Him to come in and if you'll do that, He will transform you. A transformation that will be undeniable. I want you to notice, I said that I would also speak to you that the work done in the name of Christ makes His resurrection undeniable. Okay, so today you think about people who deny Christ. And what you're looking at in our age, in our day, are people who deny that Christ even existed. 
Uh, by the way, that's actually undeniable. The historical record and the documentation that Christ did live, that he was a real person, truly is undeniable. But that's not what they were dealing with. They could not deny that he existed. They saw him. They heard him. They knew that he had lived, that he had preached, that he had died. The thing that they, with all their hearts, with all their strength, that they wanted to deny, they wanted to deny His resurrection. You see, the thing that made Christ different, the thing that put the seal on His deity, proving that He was beyond a shadow of doubt, the Son of God, is what He said Himself. I will lay down my life, but I will take it up again. Nobody's ever done that but Jesus Christ. Other people in the Bible were raised from the dead by someone else. But only one, only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was able to lay down His life, that is, die, and to Himself take it up again. And with all their being, they wanted to deny His resurrection. But you see, what Christ had done in that church made it undeniable. They saw the man who was healed standing beside Peter and John. By the way, you do understand it's still the next day and he's still standing there? Man, he is not quitting. He's not giving up. He's not resigning. He is not leaving. He is standing with them. He's still standing there. That just amazes me. And because he is there... His testimony, the fact that He's standing there whole, makes what Christ has done, what has been done in Jesus' name, is absolutely undeniable. They had nothing to say. It absolutely shut their mouths in opposition. They said, what should we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen, what you do in this church is a testimony. Your service, your love for one another, your sacrifice, your testimony. What God does in this church as we worship Him and praise Him, what He does here is an evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ with the result that it is undeniable. They said, they let them go, finding no way to people. For everyone, all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Understand, your boldness your testimony, your faith, your love for one another, your ministering to people in our community, all of that done in the name of Jesus Christ is a testimony that He is living, that He is powerful, and that He is still active. It is a testimony that makes His resurrection absolutely undeniable then I said that I would speak to you about those 
committed followers of Christ, that they would not be silenced. Notice in the passage, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God, get that, is it right in God's sight? Not is it right in your sight, is it right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God? I need to say this. What has God commanded you as a child of God to do about what He's done in your life? How can we be silent when we know that we were lost, but through faith in Jesus Christ, He has given us the gift of eternal life? You know, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be able to explain all the difficulties of understanding Scripture. That, that'll take you a lifetime. And some of those things, uh, the Bible says the secret things belong to God. There are some things that we're not going to understand till we get to heaven. In the meantime, the Scripture's deep enough to keep us busy trying to understand it until then. You don't have to have all those answers. If you're being silent because you're afraid you'll be asked a question, don't be denied a voice. Speak up. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is tell what Jesus has done for you. You know, a lot of years ago, I wed, I led my wife. I, I wed my life. I, I led my wife to the Lord just by telling her how I got saved. That was a thrill. I, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't have a lot of scriptures memorized. I, I knew some that I could quote, and that helped. But mostly I just said, this is how I got saved. If you share that, you will be amazed at what God can do with that. Obey God. Don't be silenced. Speak up. He said, we cannot be denied. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Listen, somebody who is truly converted and committed to Christ will not be denied the opportunity to share his faith in Christ. That right is undeniable. During my time in Africa, I had the opportunity, because I was fluent in Swahili, to attend a church a urban evangelization conference that was put on by Southern Baptist churches in, in Tanzania. I, I went to that conference, and there were people there from Tanzania, from Kenya, from Ethiopia. One of the things that was asked, the, the people, the missionaries in Tanzania asked, the pastors of the churches, the Baptist churches there. They said, you're surrounded by Muslims, and I know that there is opposition and even threats on your lives if you speak out in the name of Jesus. What are you going to do about that? Are you, are you going to continue preaching and teaching and witnessing publicly in the name of Jesus? I was absolutely shocked when the pastors of those churches said, we're not going to preach in the name of Jesus publicly out in our neighborhoods. We can't do that. 
We can only do it in the four walls of our church building. Shall we obey God? Or shall we allow Satan to have the victory? Let us not be denied. Let us never be silenced. There was a pastor there from an underground church in Ethiopia. Baptist church. Meeting in a country where at that time you could not meet openly as a church. But they, they had a thriving underground, that is secret, church. And he was there as one of the speakers at that conference. And so he was so shocked by what they said. He stood and he said, what happens if the Muslims become so powerful in Dar es Salaam? That's where we were meeting. That it, is, it becomes illegal for you to have church services. What are you pastors going to do then? And those pastors said, we have to obey the government. If they tell us that it's illegal to meet, we will not meet. Guys, listen. I'm one of those who wore the uniform. Not for very long, but I'm one of those who wore the uniform. I've lived overseas enough that I have a high level of patriotism. So I'm saying that before I say this. But I will tell you this. On the day that our government makes it illegal for us to meet together and preach in the name of Jesus Christ, I will become a lawbreaker. I will not be silenced. I will not be denied the right to preach and to speak in the name of Jesus. That is a responsibility and that is a privilege that is a right that is undeniable. Then I said to you that I would speak to you about the power of a praying church. That the power of a praying church is beyond human understanding. I, did you notice what happened on that day? The place where they met was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, and they spake the word of God with boldness. By the way, anytime you read in the book of Acts about being filled with the Spirit, it results in bold witnessing for Christ and bold preaching of the word of God. Now, I'm talking about this came upon them because there is power of church prayer, not just individual prayer. But when a church comes together and they pray publicly to God. I want you to notice some characteristics of their prayer. It said when they heard it. Now what they heard was the report from Peter and John about what had happened with the council. It, it was that whole report. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, and I... I said that means they prayed. I mean, that's when you lift your voice to God, that's praying. And, and so they prayed. And, and notice the characteristics of their prayer. First of all, they prayed words of, prayer, of praise. Now, you know, when you pray, you don't have to be eloquent and, and say, you know, oh God, the God of 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You don't necessarily have to pray that way. I remember a guy in a church where I grew up that we as teenagers, oh my, this is being broadcast. Am I going to say this out loud? As teenagers, we would count how many times the guy would say, Our Heavenly Father. And I think the record was over 20 times in one prayer. I mean, he would begin the sentence with, Our Heavenly Father, and end the sentence with, Our Heavenly Father. At some point, that becomes meaningless. But there is something powerful about beginning a prayer with praise to God. They called Him Sovereign Lord, Almighty God. In, in Swahili, we would pray, which is Almighty God. He is the one with all power, all honor, all glory. All glory belongs to Him. Praise God. And praise Him in your prayer. He was recognized as Creator. Are you struggling with that? Do you struggle with the notion that God Almighty spoke the world into existence. Let me tell you this. If you struggle with believing in the creation and that God Almighty is so powerful that He could speak and speak the world into existence, you're going to have trouble trusting Christ for salvation. If you can't believe that God is the Creator God, how are you going to believe that Jesus, His Son, is able to save you? Do you see there's a connection there in believing and in faith? They recognize that He is sovereign, that He is Creator, that He is the one who inspired the Bible. They said, by your Spirit you spoke through David. You realize, Chris, that's, that's certifying that the Psalms are inspired of God, that the Holy Spirit, that God's power through the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. Do you struggle believing that the Bible is God's Word? If you struggle in believing that the Bible's God's Word, you're going to have tr- you're going to struggle. You're going to have trouble believing in Christ for salvation. It all begins here. This is a prayer of faith in God. Praising God. Then notice, they not only prayed in praise to God, they prayed the Word. Basically, they quoted Psalm 21, verses 1 and 2. Um, I have to think somebody memorized that. How do you pray the Word unless you've memorized the Word? And listen, there is a certain power in praying the Word of God. I I praise God I've got 31 guys who pray for me every month. That means that every day I've got somebody praying for me. And I remember the first guy who did that to me in person, the very first. And he put his hands on me and he prayed verses from the Psalms over me. I was blown away. Listen to me, there is power in praying the Word of God. But they didn't just quote the Scripture. They applied it to their lives. They said, this is what you said, and this is what's going on. Can you do that? 
Have you done that? Listen, that's what the sermon is about. Every week, we're trying to take the Word of God and make it fit your life. But you can do that too. And when you pray, don't just pray the Word. Think about how that Word applies to your life. There is power in praise, and there is power in praying the Word of God. Not only that, but they proclaimed Jesus. Your servant, your anointed one, they admitted who Jesus was. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And they prayed for themselves. They said, Lord, hear what's been said. Hear what's been said. Hear the threats. And don't let us be silenced silenced by these, by these threats. Let us be bold. They prayed for boldness, for courage to be able to speak and to continue to speak. And then he said, stretch out your hand and work. Listen, guys, I've been praying. I prayed on the way to church this morning. Now, I didn't close my eyes because I was driving. But I prayed on the way to church this morning, Lord, give me a holy boldness. Don't let me preach the sermon you preach through me. I need you. I need your power. I need your presence. And I prayed, stretch out your hand and work in our church. I prayed this morning that somebody would be saved in our services today. If you've never been saved, that's you. I was praying for you. I was praying that today you would understand that you need to trust Jesus and give your life to Him. I prayed for you this morning. I prayed for God's work and His movement in this service. Stretch out your hand to work. But notice the results of their prayer. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Listen, there's power in a praying church. Unmistakable, undeniable power. The earth-shaking power of a praying church is undeniable. I have a challenge for you. I've been thinking about and praying about what I will be preaching beginning next year, beginning in January. And as a part of that, we've talked briefly in staff, and I am convinced I want to ask you to start next year. Now, I know that's weeks away, and you may have questions about this, and I will answer them later, but I want it in your mind now. I want you thinking about this. I'm going to ask you as a church to commit to 40 days of prayer. We'll talk about what that means, the things to pray about when the time comes. But listen, the power of a praying church is absolutely undeniable.